1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you on the other end of the speaker. And welcome back. It feels like forever. It hasn't been, but it feels like it. I mean, we're on the same podcast schedule we've been on. The last one I recorded was on Sunday, and it just feels like it's been ages. (laughs) It's just... It's been a long week for 49ers fans and 49ers media alike. There's just been a lot going on, a lot to take in, a lot to absorb, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions in sports. And I've said this before. I kind of walk a fine line between media and and fan. I mean, obviously, I would have never became 49ers media had I not been a fan. It's kind of what gave me the motivation to work my way into that side of the business. And obviously, a huge shout-out to the likes of uh, Chris Biederman for uh, and Peter Panacy from uh, Niner Noise um, for both of them just taking me on and allowing me to to do that sort of thing and Chris got me in the building for the first time and then I kind of took the ball and ran with it but the biggest misconception my point being is that media members don't care about what happens with the team or they don't feel it when the team feels it type of you know? now obviously they're not on the field they're not in the meeting rooms but you know they follow these players along for the entire season. Many of the the primary beat writers, like Mayoko and Barrows, and Branch, and and Inman, and uh, Jennifer Lee Chan, and and you know all those familiar faces. Um, they travel with the team, and you know they they're with the team even on road games. So you could just tell that a lot of the media members, and, and it's just been a, a big week where the floor kind of fell out from under anybody from and it uh from everybody from under everybody. And so it just feels like it's been forever since the 49ers' uh, NFC championship loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, we're going to have to bring it up for a little bit. You know, plenty has been said, been talked about. Um you know, it's just it is what it is. And I I like that phrase. I think it gets misused a lot, but that's kind of where the 49ers are when it comes to the NFC championship loss and just kind of rehashing some of the things we, we've already talked about that have been said in the meantime. In the end, the 49ers did not get a chance to put up a real fight. If Brock Purdy got hurt in the ver- on the very first drive before the offense even crossed midfield, and that game was over right then and there. Now, God bless Christian McCaffrey for scoring that one touchdown. That was 100% sheer will. But once Brock Purdy was injured, and especially with what we now know that injury became, the game was over. And it's just everything after that, like John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan said in their press conference, they, they gave all the credit to Philly because they, they're the ones that made it there, and, and they're a very worthy team. But it was just the die was cast, and the 49ers had no choice but to basically let Philadelphia conduct that game how they may. And, um, it throws off everything, you know, not being able to possess the ball and move it down the field and have any sort of a drive and eat any sort of clock and produce any sort of points. Uh, the entire defensive game plan goes out the window as well. You know, you're just not operating against an offense that needs to do anything urgently they know that essentially they just need to move the ball down the field score some points every now and then and possess the ball and, and the whole they're going to possess the ball i mean the 49ers defense held the eagles to 4.8, 4.8 yards per pass under five yards a pass and under four yards a, a rush under four yards a play and and you know it, it, it we despite that there was just nothing could be done and it was just so frustrating no matter how many people out there are calling for oh well you should have put this person at quarterback and this person at quarterback it still wouldn't have should have ran the wildcat you're still running at a defense that knows you're going to run the football and there's zero point zero percent threat of a pass and if there is a pass it's a trick play that's going to start with a run look so it's it's just unfortunate that The 49ers, a team that Kyle Shanahan said he was told hadn't lost a game in 98 days. Had to go into the most important game of that season and lose like that. It's just, it's, it's just invalid. You know, it's, it's, but it is, it's football and injuries happen. The Eagles deserve some credit for Brock Purdy being injured. Not that they were trying to force an injury. That's definitely not what I'm saying, but they deserve credit for getting after the quarterback. And we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. Uh, I, I saw a little bit on Twitter people questioning Brock Purdy's toughness as to why he didn't go back in the game. Well, now we know that that entire storyline is not a talking point, no longer an issue. Uh, Brock Purdy had torn his UCL. The dude was, was, was walking, I mean, just let alone walking back onto the field with that injury. Um, essentially his elbow just hanging by his side taking snaps, handing the ball off, running play fakes, and he actually threw the ball twice after that point. The fact that he was able to do any of that is unreal. I mean, you're talking about an injury that at one point ended baseball players' careers. It's a little less spectacular for quarterbacks, but it's—I mean, it's a, it was a very serious injury, and the fact that Purdy came back onto the field and was able to throw a couple passes with that injury this goes to show you you know the fact that it, it had nothing to do with toughness. He was done, and yet he still went back out there. One of the things that just like I had to laugh at at the computer when I saw it was uh, an Eagles fan tweeting out the fact that that the Eagles won a Super Bowl one time with a backup quarterback, so they didn't want to hear it and it, I just laughed because it's like sometimes people tweet stuff that's just so stupid that you just look at it and you're like Somewhere in their head, this makes sense. And that's the scariest part. And you just and then with that tweet, it's like, okay, cool. The Eagles did win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Which is impressive. None nobody's questioning that impressive. But the 49ers lost their backup quarterback like 10 weeks ago. And then they in the in the NFC Championship game, they at the in the first snap, Nick Foles. Was the quarterback going into that Super Bowl? The 49ers lost their third string quarterback during the first drive of the game. Those two things are not the same. (laughs) They even lost their fourth string quarterback and had to go back to a crippled third stringer. Those two things are not the same. I I mean, I shouldn't, I feel like I shouldn't even give something like that airtime. It's just so dumb. Like, please. You've been told this all your life. Allow your brain to think before you decide to say. Man, wouldn't mankind just be that much better off if we did that more often? I remember uh, a scene from John Adams. It's an HBO series with Paul Giamatti. God, if you haven't seen it, watch it. If you have even the slightest appreciation for historical content, watch John Adams on HBO. Um, He's having a conversation with Benjamin Franklin in a restaurant. And Ben, uh, Paul Giamatti or John Adams says, do you not believe I should voice my opinion and say, how would I feel? And he goes, no, not at all. A ton of the world's problems have been caused by men saying what they feel, (laughs) you know, it kind of feels like that. Like you don't always have to say everything that crops up into your head. So no, the 49ers losing their third and fourth string quarterback in the NFC Championship game on the fly is not the same as winning a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback that had the opportunity to prepare for the occasion. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to bet Foles played quite a few games up until that point. Maybe he didn't. I don't know how many games he played up until that point. It doesn't matter. The point's been made. You, it, those two things are not the same. Now, the 49ers uh, enter into an offseason where the primary talking point for the 32nd year in a row is going to be quarterbacks. And it may not be as complicated as we thought it was going to be because Tom Brady, um, two days ago, I'm recording this on a Thursday evening, announced that he is retiring from the NFL for what seems like for good. I don't think he's going to unretire twice, um, but I mean, crazier things have happened. And with that announcement, removes a, a large talking point from our our offseason, which I have no complaints about, especially after the last few seasons and, and analyzing every possible avenue at quarterback. it's it, I guess I can say it's nice that one of them has been removed and we don't have to talk about it. Yes, the 49ers probably would have won a Super Bowl if they would have gone after Tom Brady in 2020. Uh, you know, it's... They've gone, they've gotten so close since then that you would think that maybe a quarterback as experienced and as locked tight as Tom Brady would have taken them that far. But I've never held that against the 49ers because everybody in their mom was okay with the 49ers not pursuing Tom Brady after the 2009 season season that Tom Brady had in the Patriots. The the common assumption and agreement was that Tom Brady was it. He had a very poor season. Um, for that last year in New England, everybody kind of said, okay, well, that's it for Tom. And then he goes to Tampa Bay and just absolutely lights it up. Just has one of the better seasons a quarterback has had in a long time. And nobody saw that coming. That's part of the reason why they won the Super Bowl that year. But at the time, I mean, it was very I remember it vividly. No one was losing their minds that the 49ers didn't pursue Tom Brady. The 49ers had just gone to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Everybody was like, all right, cool, let's run it back. That sucks. We lost, but it is what it is. That's kind of what, you know, I'm sure there was your average 49er fan out there with, with 12 and a half followers on Twitter that loves to reply to everybody's tweets saying, well, I said this. I'm like, dude, I'm sure you did, but you had 12 and a half people listening to you and nobody even liked the tweet you sent. Like I'm not trying to big time anybody, but I always laugh at those comments. They're like, well, I mean, I said this earlier in the off season. I'm like, man, I, I can't hear you. I can't I can barely hear the people I love most on Twitter with all the BS going on with the stupid ass for you tab they've added there. Get that shit off my Twitter. It's so bad. You know what it really is bad is it shows you who other people follow and you're like, man, they're tolerating this crap. Anyways. So yeah, cool it would have been cool if Tom Brady showed up. He didn't. It's whatever. Uh, I've just, it's just never been something I've gotten all that riled up about because it was just, it's just one of those, those cabooses that's real close to the, not cabooses, one of those train cars that's really close to the front of the hindsight train. That's just always moving at full speed and always knows exactly where to go. It's just, it's just never been a storyline I've allowed myself to dive into because of the way it started and the fact that Tom Brady did not look good leaving new England and uh, there wasn't some huge NFL bidding war to secure Tom Brady's services. He went to Tampa, and turns out everybody else was wrong. So, I mean, that's okay. It's, it's just, it is what it is. So the quarterback dynamics going forward are interesting for the 49ers, to say the least. Kyle Shanahan said after the, or during the press conference that he does not see any scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo is back next season. And remember, this one's different Last year he was on under contract, and they restructured that contract to keep him around. Everybody was either assumed he was going to get traded or eventually released because they weren't going to be able to afford, uh, you know, a twenty-something million dollar backup. So they made him like a eight million dollar backup with a ton of incentives, a lot of which he got to hit because Trey Lance went down in week two. But Kyle Shanahan said he does not see a reality where Jimmy Garoppolo is back. All reports I've heard were that Jimmy Garoppolo was one of the quickest people out of that locker room. His locker room was cleaned out the best, um, and he was he was out of there. There's even that picture of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, standing and laughing on the sidelines as the 49ers uh, lose the NFC Championship. But I, that shit is so stupid. Like at any at any point, athletes laugh on the sideline even when they're losing games, and it doesn't necessarily mean they're having a good time. Now the you you we're just gonna take our first baby steps into. The 49ers quarterback situation and what talking points are even worth acknowledging. First thing I want to make clear though, and I tweeted this, tweeted this out, and just the reactions were quite as funny as I thought they were going to be, which is good. I am excited to watch Trey Lance play football in this 49ers offense that since he's been out, has added Christian McCaffrey to the mix, has seemed to really hit its stride. Now part of that stride was Brock Purdy. So I'm not going to act like Purdy had no influence on what the offense was doing late in the season. In fact, it's the opposite. It seems like he unlocked the offense quite a bit. But I am excited to see Trey Lance get back on the field and get back in this offense and see what him and Shanahan can cook up. And I I don't necessarily feel like Trey Lance is the favorite for, to be uh, the starter in 2023. But that still doesn't mean that I am not excited to see him get healthy again and get back in with this group and start slinging the rock around and, and running the football from time to time. No, Trey, I don't care that you broke your ankle running the ball. Keep doing what you do. I've, you know, I've, We'll get into that. We've gotten into that. Trey Lance, you know, 50% of his dynamic was his rushing ability. I, I hope he keeps running the ball, whether it's designed or impromptu. So I'm excited to see him get back out there. I'm excited to see, uh, if, you know, if his abilities have grown at all. I mean, he's been recovering from his in, from an injury, but that, you know, it's such a massive mental aspect of that position, and it wouldn't surprise me that if he just looked better based on his knowledge of the game and, and how it's grown up until that point. Um, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan seem pretty confident that Brock Purdy, who, like I said, suffered a torn UCL, and there are wildly varying recovery times depending on the severity of the injury. I know that if they have to completely restruct, reconstruct that that tendon, um, that or ligament, that it's like a year recovery time. You know, that's the official Tommy John surgery that that that's ended athletic careers, and it's not necessarily apply like that for a quarterback, but it's. Um, it's a serious surgery. I mean, any surgery is serious, but there, and, and, but if he, if he, if it's just a, a, like a partial tear and they kind of have to reconstruct it and, 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 or, you know, it's, I'm no, I'm no doctor, but you know, I've been trying to absorb what I can, but if it's, if it's not the extremely replacing the ligament and you're kind of just reconstructing it, then the, the recovery time decreases dramatically closer to should be full go within six months, and about three months of that recovery time is is kind of like 50 fifty to sixty percent activity so you're given a really sharp representation, a clear representation of what progress Purdy would would have been making from the injury and any surgeries that happened and so you know he's still getting second opinions he's talking to multiple doctors he's figuring it out obviously the they won't know for sure until his his elbows cut open and they're looking at it right in front of him. But John and Kyle did seem relatively confident that Purdy would be ready by training camp and would be kind of under that six-month timetable window. Um, Which still, if it's a year window, things get very interesting because you're talking about Purdy essentially missing the vast majority, if not all, of next season. That's the really, really tough part about suffering a significant injury in the NFC Championship game as it happened so late in the season. That, that recovery time was really going to bleed into this season.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: So if it's it's the, the most severe form of that injury, then we're talking really interesting because Purdy is not even an option next year. But even with the six-month time frame, you've got Purdy possibly being ready to go really close. I mean, what is it? Beginning of February, all of February, March, May. I just skipped April because, fuck it. February, March, April, May, June, and the sixth month is July. Training camp starts at the end of July. So you're still talking about Lance, who's expected to be full, for, cleared for activity in three to four weeks. You're talking about a fully healthy Lance, expected to be, taking part in all of the offseason program, every snap, all of you the know, organized team activities, the, the mini camps, the camps, all that stuff that happens before training camp is all going to be Trey Lance. Whether Trey uh, Brock Purdy needs the big surgery or the little surgery, even if he's in the six-month timeline. Trey Lance is going to get a ton of these reps. and In my opinion, Purdy is the starter until he's not. But Lance has the opportunity here to really shake up this tree. Mayoko said on his podcast today, I believe, that there are some players in that locker room that he believes would be genuinely upset if for some reason Purdy was not named the starting quarterback. And that is understandable to me. Yes, I understand that Lance got hurt, but Lance got hurt a long time ago and a lot's happened since then. Garoppolo came in, played excellent, got hurt again. Purdy came in and took this offense to another level and operated this offense to what seemed like Kyle Shanahan's ideal operation. Like how Purdy was running the offense seemed like that was exactly how Kyle wanted to run it. And he trusted him on every down. It didn't matter what the situation he was calling when he was going to call because him and Purdy were jiving. They thought, whatever it was, they thought about the offense in the same light. And Kyle just seemed ultimately comfortable with Purdy. So to me, this is Brock Purdy's offense until it's not. And Trey Lance has an opportunity, even with taking all these offensive reps. Reps, I still believe it's Purdy's job when he comes back, just because of how good this team was with him at the helm. But Lance has an opportunity here to give Kyle something to think about. He's going to be getting all, all of these offseason reps, and that does count for something. And players become familiar, and they're like, oh, man, wait, Trey's looking good. And don't forget, Trey is the guy that they traded up for and gave away first-round picks for. Now, that, to me, means nothing when it comes to who you ultimately go with but it's not like Trey's status in the organization in the building and what he was intended to be can just be ignored. He's not written off. He's not ignored. He's not, he doesn't have no chance. There is a chance that Lance retakes his job. Now, do I think the odds are good of that? No, I don't, but he is, has a chance right now. And at the very least, he has a chance to work himself up to look when training camp starts and Purdy's back here, I deserve more than just backup quarterback reps. That is what Lance has a chance to do over this offseason, which is fine with me. Compete, 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 just keep competing and you'll see where you end up. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch said that they were comfortable with this quarterback room heading into the offseason. Now, obviously they're going to have to add a couple arms to facilitate the offseason and training camp, but In terms of who they feel is is being considered for a starting role and somebody that could start, it seems that they're okay with Purdy and and Lance, which is to me seems a little risky because they're both injured, like right now. (laughs) Both significant injuries. Now Lance is on the back end of his, but they're both significant injuries, and Lance had to have a second surgery because not everything worked out perfectly in the first one. So things aren't just uh, gravy, you know. Kyle Shanahan saying he's content with those two is is not just uh, you know without note like that's significant and that's a risk in and of itself. Just he said that he didn't feel like he needed to bring in any sort of a veteran. You know, I if it were my roster, it's not. I wouldn't be doing as good of a job with with it if it was. But I mean, I would bring in somebody, you know, that like you know the best quarterback available after kind of that big expensive wave of free agency that being said the 49ers are also starting to back themselves up against the wall when it comes to the salary cap because you've got Nick Bosa's extension coming um I think they'd want ideally they'd want to keep uh Iuke around um you know those all none of those are urgent Bosa's more so but and They don't necessarily have the money to just be throwing around to any veteran quarterbacks. And you're not getting a quarterback for that, you know, for cheap, a decent quarterback for cheap anymore. It's going to cost some money. So the quarterback dynamic in San Francisco, as it always is, is interesting. And we're just going to have to see where it goes. There's going to be a large portion of time where we're going to be watching Trey perform during the offseason programs and getting little breadcrumbs here and there as to how he's doing, what he looks like, can he compete for this job? Uh you know, in my end thoughts, uh, the thing that keeps popping up in my mind is I don't care how many picks the 49ers gave up for Trey Lance. I look at it as it, it look look at it like the 49ers gave up all those picks to get a starting quarterback. And if that starting quarterback, you know, ends up being Purdy, I don't care. Uh, I understand that they got Purdy in the seventh round but the end result is still a solid quarterback on the field. That's what the 49ers want, whether it's Lance or Purdy. That's what you're trading up to give yourself a shot at. Now, yes, you could be at the very front of that hindsight train and be like, well, the 49ers could have done this, this, and this with those draft picks rather than take Lance, and then they'd have Purdy and everything would just be great. Well, yeah, that's not how this works. Um, You can't just rewrite history. This isn't back to the future. You can't go back there and tell the 49ers to – not pick Lance because you're going to take this guy in the seventh round. That's just not reality. Uh, and the odds of somebody like Purdy performing how he did are just astronomically high, like or whatever you want to call it. Not, not common. So there's going to be a lot to talk about with this quarterback room, especially once Lance starts throwing the ball around and moving. Um, it could get very interesting. It'll be interesting no matter what, but it could get very interesting if Lance looks like he's still capable of taking his game to – another level. Um, one thing that I got to mention before I forget, Vic Fangio was one of the 49ers defensive coordinator candidates since D'Amico Ryans has been named the head coach of the Houston Texans, awarding the 49ers yet another third round comp- uh, pick um, as far as uh, the promotion of uh, coaches of color. Um, I believe it essentially applies to every – uh, race don't. Um, other than white, I believe I'd have to look more into the rule. But I, uh, I believe it's basically if you um aid in the development and the promotion of coaches of color, then you're awarded for it. Which um, I don't mind. I think that it's definitely promoting teams to look just a little further than the people that they're comfortable with. And that's not even a race thing to me. That's a it's just something that pushes people to look just a little bit further than they might have. So, And the 49ers have done an excellent job with that, with Robert Sala, with Mike McDaniel, and now with D'Amico Ryans, and uh, they continue to do that. And it's, it's just a very impressive for an organization to be churning out successful coaches like the 49ers have, let alone coaches of color that obviously the NFL um, wants to be given their fair shot. So it's been cool to watch and you know it, in the 49ers case it's not it's not a gimmick i mean the 49ers have found terrific coaches and so you know i know that there's probably out there that believe a program like that would actually make a qualified applicant less likely you know people come up with the craziest spins sometimes but whatever the 49ers doing it's working and it's all they are also A bright and shining example from what that or for what that program was hoping to achieve. Would the 49ers have done all this without those third round picks? You're damn right they would have. But they're being rewarded for their efforts. And it's cool to see. Um I mean, I I guarantee you, you know, they are by far the most successful team when it comes to taking advantage of um, you know, developing quality coaches. It's it's been impressive. So, uh Vic Fangio was among the candidates. He'd spent some time in the 49ers organization. Kyle Shanahan said he was looking for a defensive coordinator that shared their their uh, you know, their thoughts on scheme and there's probably a lot of personality involved. I'm not sure if Vic Fangio was necessarily a fit somebody that Kyle Shanahan would consider a fit just he just doesn't necessarily seem like, you know, the coaches he's got in there, but I love Vic Fangio and obviously he's very good at his job and you have to wonder if scheme had anything to do with it the 49ers run, you know, as all NFL defenses do a hybrid version of like a 4-3 and Vic Fangio's always preferred a 3-5 or a 3-4. Um so it's um He's formally accepted the position at the Miami Dolphins, which was offered a while ago. But then Fangio apparently came out and said, I haven't decided yet. I'm talking to many teams. He's going to head to the Dolphins. I believe he's now the highest, defense paid, highest paid coordinator in the NFL. And the 49ers are in the process of working on candidates. I know that they have requested to interview Steve Wilkes, who was the interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers, had some success there. I know they've already, already requested to interview him. Uh, they requested to interview Chris Harris, formerly of the Washington Commanders, I believe. Um, there's Idiro Evero. He's the, the, he was the Denver Broncos defensive coordinator last year. His name's been thrown around a lot. I don't know that the 49ers have requested to interview him yet. Um, there has been reports that they were interested in bringing Chris Kosurik um up from the d-line to coordinator i would not want that i just and i'm not necessarily i don't have all these laundry list of reasons as to why i would not want kasurik as the defensive coordinator but that man seems molded out of football clay in the form of a defensive lineman's position coach like i just and he has said this too i'm not sure kasurik is all that interested in becoming a defensive coordinator because that man lives and breathes defensive line. He has a track record of developing players and talent and getting the most out of people and really bringing them along. And you just don't want to pull a guy out of that type of environment. Yeah, he may be able to do that with an entire defense, but you're talking about a guy that was literally like operating at an elite 100 out of 100 level at his position group. And in the way he coaches them, and it might be just one of those things the 49ers don't want to mess with. And maybe Kasurik feels the same way. It's it, it in the in a small shred of relativity, uh relativity. Like Kasner, my middle school, has asked me to be the head coach several times. And because we have a lot of turnover, that's just kind of how middle school is. Teachers come and go, coaches come and go, they get brought up to high school, wherever. But I just always say no, because I do not want to invest the kind of time it takes to be a head coach. I want to be an assistant coach. <laughs> I want to be a, a wide receiver, DB coach. That's what I want to do. I don't want to dabble in the, the big game. And I am sure that's what that, that might be what Chris Caseric feels like as well. Like, look, I am having the time of my life here. I'm having a lot of success with these guys. I am perfectly fine not messing with. Them. And so it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers really didn't want to mess with it either. So to me, the favorite seems like it would be Steve Wilkes. If the Panthers give the 49ers uh, a permission to interview him, um, he's got a track record. He's a veteran coach. He seems like maybe one of the few coaches that might be able to step in for somebody like D'Amico Ryans and be able to take command of a defense that just is absolutely laden with talent because whoever the 49ers bring in a defensive coordinator, that is pressure here. Here's Fred Wohner. Here's Nick Bosa. Here's this top defense in the NFL. Please don't screw it up. You know, like, uh, so I, I think a veteran like Steve Wilkes would be a great choice. Um, I don't know as much about Chris Harris, but, um, we'll see where the 49ers go. We'll see what they do. What else do I got on here? I mean, you had Kyle and John Lynch's presser. Uh, I know that's where we kind of started here. Kyle was so obviously over it, and obviously the question that was asked that got everybody talking was basically asking Kyle Shanahan, look, if you include Josh Johnson, which, whatever, you can't include him if you don't want to. I mean, he got a concussion when he fell and hit his head on the ground. You have now had, you had four quarterbacks hurt in this season and you've had one healthy quarterback for an entire season like one time since you've been here. What can you do to change that? And Kyle Shanahan was obviously annoyed. I don't blame him especially being in the position he's in at that moment after Purdy just got hurt. Um it, I mean it's very clear why he did not want to answer that question, but I don't blame him. For being annoyed at that question and just for generally kind of trying to blow it off, he essentially said, "Look, like I can't control the 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 dynamics of football and what happened to these guys. You know, Trey Lance freak accident, broken ankle. Is it a freak accident? He was running a like a like a quarterback keeper uh, down the middle, and a defensive tackle hit him and broke his ankle. I still think it's a freak accident. People run." in between the tackles all the time. Trey Lance is 6'4", 250. He ran for over 1,000 yards in college. He's not new to running. He's not new to being hit. Um, everybody's new to being hit by NFL defenders when they first get in the NFL. But anyways, not that freak of an accident, but not necessarily something I ever blamed Kyle Shanahan for. I know that was super trendy to, to blame Kyle Shanahan for uh, uh, doing that run play with Trey Lance. But, I mean, like I said, Trey Lance ran for well over 1,000 yards in college I always assumed he was going to run every type of run there is um that just sucks that that happened then he you know obviously talked about Jim Garoppolo getting rolled up on broken his ankle and then he talked about Brock Purdy getting sacked on a play action pass um and he talked about Josh Johnson hitting his head against the turf and getting a concussion now the one kind of pushback I offer is like look Kyle Purdy did not get hurt on a normal play action pass He got hurt on a play action pass where Tyler Croft, the backup tight end was tasked with blocking Hassan Reddick long enough for that play action pass to both develop and get thrown Hassan Reddick, who was, I believe second in the NFL behind Nick Bosa and sacks. If he wasn't, he had like 16 and a half. So he was right there. And so it's not like this was any average play, any action play action pass. And what, what kind of, and I, and I don't necessarily, I don't want to just heap the Brock Purdy's injury blame on Kyle Shanahan's play calling, because I'm sure Kyle Shanahan has called plays like that before. But to act like there was nothing that could have been have done to prevent that play from happening is just a little disingenuous in my part. Not crazy, not like, holy shit, Kyle, Han- Kyle Shanahan, just say it wrong. Not like that. Just, he got. it's almost like his offense got caught. Kyle Shanahan is all about matchups. We've watched him eviscerate defense with match defenses with matchups like clockwork all the time. It's what he does. Well, in that case, the Philadelphia Eagles got their matchup. They got Hassan Reddick on Tyler Croft, and the result was a sack that just happened to seriously hurt Brock Purdy and result in very significant surgery. So to act like the way Brock Purdy got hurt is just there's no way, no reality where that could have been avoided. It's not entirely true. I'm still not blaming it on Kyle Shanahan. That's just, to me, it's just lazy. Like, you shouldn't have done that. I'm sure the 49ers, like I said, have ran that play multiple times. But maybe a play like that is a little like playing Russian roulette. Like, there's six chambers. Only one of them has a bullet. You might be able to go quite some time rolling that chamber and pulling the trigger before that gun eventually fires. But eventually it will fire. And Kyle Shanahan may have been playing Russian roulette when it comes to a play call that requires a backup tight end or any tight end for that matter to block the four, the, the defense's premier pass rusher. I'm sure the 49ers would love somebody to do that with Nick Bosa. And they have, and they've paid for it. And the four, that's what happened to the 49ers when Purdy got hurt. They put Tyler Croft on Asan Redick. And it, if you look at that play. Mike McGlinchey was beat, too. I don't know who he was beat by. could have been Fletcher Cox. I don't know. But Mike McGlinchey was beat, too. Purdy was getting hit either way. A lot of people were like, oh, just stepping up in the pocket. Well, Hassan Reddick was running the arc, and whoever was up against Mike McGlinchey was coming through as well. Purdy was going to get hit by two folks. Reddick's just faster got there first. So even stepping up in the pocket was not necessarily a, a foolproof solution because that whole side of the pocket was collapsing. So for Kyle to act like there was no way that anything could have been done to prevent Purdy's get injury, you know, that's not entirely true, but you know, Kyle Shanahan's a stubborn dude. It is, you know, it's 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 still there's still something to be said by the fact that 49ers churn through quarterback injuries like it's the way it is. Teams go a decade without their quarterback getting seriously hurt. I mean look at Tom Brady. I think that I mean he's not the necessarily the the average but I think that dude missed one season in like 89 years. It just doesn't happen that often and it happens to the 49ers all the time. Like clockwork. Like that's the way it's supposed to be. So there's got to be something going on here or at least something that could be changed. Maybe there isn't. Maybe it's just the world's Shittiest football luck, but it pisses me off. Not at Kyle Shanahan or anybody. It just sucks that this 49ers team was so good. They deserve to be in this game, and they didn't get to do it because Purdy got hurt, and so did their other two quarterbacks So it's and three quarterbacks. So it's just crazy. So a few other notes from the press conference. John Lynch is sticking around. He's at least for another year. He's not taking a broadcast job. 49ers don't plan on bringing in a veteran quarterback. They don't plan on bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back. Trey is going to be cleared in three to four weeks. Should be full go by the start of the offseason stuff. Um, they are in favor, <laughs> of course, of uh, bringing in the rule that allows the ros- uh, rosters to um, keep an extra quarterback that doesn't impact the numbers. So you've always got three quarterbacks, but it's that's like an extra spot. Um, but yeah. I think that's it for today. I mean, a little shorter of a pod, but we're kind of just churning through some news um throughout the week. Uh, not a whole lot more that I feel like necessarily needs to be said. I'm kind of perusing through the headlines right now to make sure I haven't left something egregious out. Um, I think the next time we jump on here, next week at some point, um, it may not be Sunday into Monday. It might be like Tuesday into Wednesday, you know, if I, if we're gonna slowly transition into one pod a week off season stuff. Um, It'll probably be on a Wednesday, maybe on a Tuesday. Two- we'll see. We'll get there. Y'all know I'll keep you in the loop. Um, One of the things I think we'll talk about first is who's on, who's out the door as far as free agency goes. Um, Should the 49ers bring any any of them back, some of them back? Are there any players out there that the 49ers should consider bringing in, which is going to be tough considering who they have to resign? We'll just get into that, the state of the roster and uh, kind of where it's going um and and obviously any and other news that comes up I have a feeling the 49ers may have hired their defensive coordinator by then we'll see I don't know how fast they can move with that all the options that that they have reportedly asked to interview are not uh part of the last two teams so we'll see but I appreciate you guys one hell of a season oh real quick end of the pod Mike McVeigh said something to me on Twitter, just added me with some real solid positivity. Uh, Some I remember it just being a very pleasant, like almost like a thank you for the season type of message. I'm kind of trying to look for his Twitter right now just to see, but I realized literally hopping onto the mic and getting ready to record this pod that I forgot to reply to it. I think I got it during the day when I was in the middle of dealing with a bunch of seventh and eighth year old kids and I forgot to reply to it. And I remember that. Okay, here it is. Mike said, Rob, thank you for a great season of podcasts. It's awesome. The community this pod has created. And just like many other faithful, I'm looking forward to what you bring this offseason. What a great run this year was. Here's to many more. Mike, I appreciate that, man. That is awesome of you. I appreciate you uh, being such an integral member of this pod. I'm sorry that I never wrote you back on Twitter. It literally was like a flash in my mind right now of... Um, like I was like, wait, 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 there was a, cause it was, you know, I'm sitting down, I'm getting into striking gold mode and I'm like, wait, 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 there was a message from my, from Michael McVeigh. Uh, I forgot to write back with it. So now you're getting the, the exclusive podcast shout out treatment, Mike. So I appreciate you. And if anybody out there is just getting a little jealous, a little grumpy, Mike McVeigh has basically been in every takeaway we've had every week. And he's always hitting me up before games. You know, with a, with a picture of the situation he's in, and that he's ready to roll. So, uh, he's just a, 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 a definitely a, a friend of the pod. So, anyways, I appreciate everybody out there. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Please keep listening. Please keep downloading, subscribing, all those good things that support the pod. Um, if you feel us, us, us worthy, uh, then jump on whatever app you're on and leave us some, a bunch of stars and, and some positive words. Um, but if not, just keep listening. That's the ultimate form of support. I appreciate you guys, Uh, but hey, I mean, all good things come to an end. You know this, for another week. I'm Rob, this is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.